What's good, everybody? This is Aftermath, where we give you the week that was in MMA. This is your track star sports MMA correspondent, the voice, my main man, the bearded wonder himself, <laughs> Josh Mosul. What's going on, Josh? Hey, man, I'm doing great. How you doing? Oh, man, I am. I'm doing really good still, kind of on a fight high uh, (laughs) from the PFL. I was trying to catch the Jack May fight uh, and uh, Josh Copeland, but it looks like it's either off or, um, yeah, it looks like it's off. I'm showing highlights of fights that have taken place. So, missed that one, but hey, uh, it was a great, great night of fights on the PFL and, and I'm glad that we're able to do this while this is fresh <laughs> in our minds. I mean just happened. How, how great is that doing the aftermath, uh really after the math. So uh yeah I'm 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 happy about that. Plus excited to talk about everything that happened at UFC Utica. Uh so yeah I'm feeling good because I haven't been feeling good today. Uh, I took the day off. I was uh, my asthma and allergies got the better of me today, but uh, no, no. I'm feeling a little, little tightness in the chest right now talking, but <laughs> we're, we're going to soldier through and, and get this done uh, so I can go back to tent making tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. All right. So did you get a chance to catch any of the professional fight leagues? I did. Okay. I watched the entire uh, main card nice. once I remembered what time it came on and I did go back and review most of the uh, prelims so oh. I more or less got a chance to see everything cool cool well you shoot you're better off uh, than I am because I missed I missed the first three fights I did get to see some highlights of some of them uh, and then from there on I saw everything with the exception of uh, this last fight that they had on Facebook, but yeah, it was very, very interesting fighting in the gar not the Garden State, uh, that's New Jersey, uh, but fighting in the Empire State of New York, and their rules are very, very different. I know the first fight on the main card was Alex Nicholson versus the Honey Bear, uh, Jake Hume, and that fight was made because in New York you cannot weigh more than 25 pounds over what your opponent weighs. So even though everyone at heavyweight is 206 and up, they wouldn't allow certain people to fight, so they had to do some switching around of the matchups at the last minute to keep the card intact. And boy, 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 uh, (laughs) it worked out for Alex Nicholson because he caught Honey Bear with that clean flying knee in the first round. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, one, one I believe I, I believe actually it was the second round. I think it was like the first minute and a half of the second round. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, um, I have to go back and check. I was fairly confident that was uh, that that was round one because I think he got six points. Uh, maybe as we go on, I can 
go back and, and check some things. Uh, I know, like I said, first four fights ended by stoppage. And the thing that really makes the PFL interesting, especially in this round, is that not only does winning count, but how you win counts. Uh, the You stop them, you get bonus points. And I'll double check on that, but I think that one was uh, a first-round stoppage. Like I said, I'll, I'll double-check that as we go on. Either way it goes, he got some bonus points for yes, putting on, did. for not just putting on, but for blasting Jake <laughs> uh, Hume. That was, yeah, that was something, boy. Um, as far as the the undercard was, or, and, you know, you can't even call the undercard. You have to call the first fights. Like they say, every single fight is a main event because of how they have things structured. But of the fights that did not take place on NBCSN, uh, which one stood out to you most? Uh, hmm. I, well, honestly, just by sheer uh, force and impressive is the Kelvin Tiller uh, knockout. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it was almost the same style of knockout as Nicholson's flying knee, except he did it with his hands. Right. <laughs> and oh. it was overly impressive. When I got a chance, I, that's when I decided I had to go back and, and start to watch some of these fights as best I could or, or you know, get on and, and watch most of the fight. Uh, because just seeing that 10-second highlight of that knockout, I was like, I've got to see – because they were talking that Tiller didn't start out great. I guess uh, some stuff happened kind of early, and then all of a sudden he turned it around and then caught him with, I believe, an overhand right and yeah. flattened him. <laughs> well, th- that was the first fight that I got a chance to see in its entirety, and I can tell you that that one, um, that one's a bit controversial because uh, Tiller was losing the fight uh, before – they stood things up because they were on the ground and uh, he was getting handled on the ground. He was doing his best to try and uh, get things to a point where they would be stood up, but it didn't really seem like, uh, like enough had been done. Honestly, it really didn't seem like enough had been done to stand the fight up. Uh, You know, he was still moving, uh, still doing some different things, but that big Dan Mergliata decided he'd seen enough and stood it up. And, uh, um, you know, old boy came with a punch. But, man, that slip and rip was was left. <laughs> that was like thing a legend. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that was uh, that was impressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, poor, uh, but Alan Carr can come back, and if he gets a first-round stoppage, and Tiller loses well, um, then they're tied up as far as things are concerned. I'm, I'm here looking at things now. And you were right. I was wrong. That was the second round uh, flying knee stoppage. So he got five points, not uh, six. So I appreciate you knowing. <laughs> I just, for whatever reason, I wasn't what I was forgetting because uh, uh, when, when, we when I was watching it, uh, the reason, again, the reason that one stuck out to me is uh, – Right before that flying knee, um, Jake Hoon found his range and caught him with an overhand right, then came back with a left-right combo, 
and I believe caught him with another short jab. And uh, I just I, I was like, oh man, he's turning it on. And then within two seconds, Nicholson ran in with a flying knee, and it's just it was crazy because that's that's probably the only reason I remember or I thought for sure that it was early it was round. Second round yeah. He had, I mean, Aikman was getting it. He was finding that range, and and he was starting to, to lay it on him. And then he uh, he got caught, and you can see it in his face uh, after the fight, you know. And he realized, oh man, I got caught. <laughs> yeah, he did. He he was down for a minute. I was like, what? What? He was kind of like stuck halfway up and, and laying down. <laughs> yeah. What, what are you talking about? What happened? Yeah, he went. Uh, he turned him into a zombie. That's what he did. <laughs> Yes, he did. Well, uh, a fight that kind of put me in zombie mode a bit was the next one. Uh, Timur Valuev was successful in fighting uh, Max Koga, uh, and it was great to see Frankie Edgar in Koga's corner. You know, it's always nice to see uh, big-name fighters helping out people in leagues uh, that are not the UFC. But, yeah, it was... uh, it was a decent back and forth fight, and it was closer than the score showed. It was 30 27 on two cars and 29 28 on another. I thought it was going to be a split decision because I was watching it with the sound muted. And like I said, it was it was a lot closer than the, the scores uh, showed, at least to me. What, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I actually, um, I have it written, I had it written down. I did have, uh, believe Koga losing I had him win in the third round pretty handedly honestly um I thought that that Max Koga walked away with the third round um the second round was a toss-up and I I thought the same I thought it was gonna be split decision uh and I I don't who did I have uh Valiv Valiv however you say his team yeah yeah I had him win in a split decision. Um, I was surprised when I heard 30-27 on two cards. Yeah. Because um, I didn't think the third round was particularly close at all. I think there was one takedown. I think he was back up in just a few seconds, really. Um, definitely the more aggressive was was Koga in that third round. But um, I'm not disappointed with the decision. I, I could definitely see where, uh, where Valu would 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 win that fight yeah but it was uh yeah definitely not the most interesting one <laughs> right like i said it, it was close but uh <laughs> nothing nothing outstanding uh within the fight now uh the next one though also in the featherweight division and just for those who may be getting this information from us but uh, aren't familiar with the pfl especially seeing as this is their first event um first official event as far as starting a season is concerned, uh, they are using a tournament format. Yes, they're going back to the MMA well and doing a tournament. And it really puts you in the mind of Bellator's tournaments when they first started off. And it's got a kind of a feel like that as well. You had a lot of stoppages and a lot of highlights. And I remember when Bellator started, uh, that was a lot of their calling card as well. Uh, in the first fight of the season, they had all of their heavyweight uh, contenders and all of their featherweight contenders. 
and PFL take place every other week. So in two weeks, it'll be the welterweights and I think the um, I, I think it's lightweight. Yeah, it is uh, uh, welterweight and lightweight because um, what's his name? Uh, Will Brooks will be fighting, and then I yes. also saw that um, oh Jake. Uh, what is Jake Shields? Jake Shields will be fighting on that card too. Oh, I didn't know that. I did actually wrote down at the bottom here in my notes when I when they were closing out the broadcast. They said that Will Brooks would be on the next card, and I got pretty excited. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's going to be in two weeks. So fourteen times plus seven is twenty one. So on the twenty first of June, that'll take place. Um, so yeah, it, it's really interesting because I, I mean even with the fighters that fought, they have to turn around again in a month and fight. That's not a lot of time to get ready for a fight. And uh, I'll talk about that a little more, or bring that up a bit more when we talk about the the featured fight on the card, but the the second to last fight on the NBCSN card was Lance Palmer, who was a former WSOF champ and the PFL is just a repackaged form of the WSOF uh, but he's a former champ at featherweight uh, I was really interested in this fight because this is his first fight not with team alpha male which I didn't know he joined extreme couture and I believe that's where Joe Benavidez is as well I know Joe moved to and has been training out of Vegas and with them being uh teammates previously i could see them both going over to extreme couture not sure we'll find out whenever that car takes place um as to where joe actually is training out of but anyway uh lance palmer versus uh beck bulat magomedov uh lots of magomedovs in this uh some of them <laughs> related to copy others uh just happen to be from the same region and have that same last name uh, Lance got the rear naked choke in the second round, uh, and it was such a weird angle that he got it from. Uh, yes, go go ahead. I'm sorry. No, yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, it was difficult even uh, watching it. I mean, they didn't even have a good camera angle to get to it because he kind of had his face up against the fence a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he was able to able to kind of slide his way in, and I actually thought that uh, that uh, Magomedov had had passed out um when he went from his knees you know down try to relieve the pressure mm-hmm. uh, i didn't i mean just again how the how the camera was and you, you were kind of seeing more of the shoulders you couldn't actually see the choke uh cinching in anymore but um and then of course you couldn't even see the tap because it was on, right, the, other side. on the side of the, the, uh, the camera. yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean i, I that sucker was tight because he had <laughs> as far as i could see he had that right arm up underneath and it was rested up on his shoulder and he was pulling on his own shoulder to give it some more, uh, to tighten it up. And, uh, so he, he had it tight for sure. And, uh, he, he got the tap on it. So. Yeah. The, the angle is what really caught me because, um, it, it was, it, it kind of switched from a rear naked to an arm triangle. And when he turned over, I thought because of it being, more so rear naked before that he would have been able to relieve enough of the pressure 
uh, to get out of it. But uh, Eve Edwards did a great job of breaking down why that was not the case um, after the fight. So, yeah, uh, great job with that. And then the main event saw yet another former WSOF champ at featherweight, Andre Harrison, taking on Juma Beck Tearshun. Uh, low kicks, high kicks, takedowns, submission attempts. Uh, that was really the 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 name of, or I should say, that's what drove that fight specifically for uh, Harrison to keep him undefeated. Uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, this is where I actually think that the PFL's uh, points format is so intriguing mm-hmm. because that fight, I mean, Andre Harrison was absolutely dominant throughout that fight. Um, I mean, no question. As a matter of fact, I actually had him uh, with, with two 10-8 rounds, and I believe there's one card that had a 10, uh, had one 10-8. Right. Um, just absolute dominance, yet he only got three points, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. Um, for just the win. Um, so it's, I the fight was great. Um, Harrison did everything that he had to do. I mean, he we got to see a, a big bag of tricks. Um, so – but again, it's what I find so interesting with this PFL uh, format uh, is is having these these uh, bonus points for stoppages and round stoppages because um, you can be a dominant dominant fighter, but you know Tershawn has to come back next fight, knock a guy out the first round, and you know he's winning. Right. <laughs> and I, I find that I find that very interesting, you know. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly, and that was in my notes as well that this really shows where the point system comes into play because he could he could grind this out and uh grind out the next win and be victorious but if you have he'll probably still end up in the playoffs but his seeding will be a lot lower because of of this and you know who knows it could be you know something that that happens where you know, someone else is tied with him at six. Let's say, you know, everyone who won this week or most of the people who uh, lost this week win on July 17th, if they all won by first round stoppage and that carries more weight as far as the tiebreaker is concerned than uh, two, three round uh, unanimous decisions, he's out of there. So I, I really like that because it, it gives uh it gives so much more importance to the stoppage. You know, and, and it gives people incentive to to go for it versus just playing it safe. So yeah, I, I like that and I I'm with you. That that makes things real interesting. Then also the timing of things is what makes it equally as interesting because they're gonna be doing this thing again July seventeenth and uh Harrison Hurt his ankle. Mm-hmm. Said when he uh, threw, he threw. A, I think he said double up kick, and he caught uh, elbow and a knee on both of them, <laughs> and uh, his ankle is hurt. But yeah, in about a month and a half, he's gonna have to be back in there, which means uh, he's got to train <laughs> and doesn't really have time to heal. How is he going to react? when he has to get back in there, what, what's going to happen that, yeah, it is it, really intriguing, really, really intriguing. Yeah. It really, it really forces you to, to, to go for it in that first round and try to, uh, it, you know, uh, 
take as little damage as possible for the the time frame, but also to to jump ahead in the points in the in the point system. I think it's I think it's brilliant. I mean, I, my wife watched this entire card with me, and uh, she watched most of the the when we get to it UFC Utica, but she got a little bored during that one. I told yeah. her I said, I said this is interesting. Let's check out this format. It's supposed to force. Uh, more action and she sat there and was was into it and we were talking she was asking me questions about it well, what's that what's that how about this and and uh so i mean it's it's taking people that aren't even casual fans or really fans at all um and they're they're exciting those people and, and i think that they've kind of fallen into something given this a more s- traditional sports feel mm-hmm. in terms of the again the points and, and the bonuses and stuff yeah, absolutely. Well, you said that the uh, Tiller Child uh, Alcinder, and I'm I know I'm pronouncing his last name incorrectly, uh, but you said that, that fight stood out to you uh, within the first fights. The one that stood out to me most, or I shouldn't say most, but another one stood out to me, and it has a lot to do with the point system. Uh, was that there are three former WSOF champs in? the PFL in this division. You've got Palmer, which we spoke about. You have Harrison, which we just spoke about. And then you have Alessandra Almeida. He got such a sick armbar. Oh my goodness. That transition was phenomenal. Steven Siler had a nice transition to his his triangle choke too. But man, um, yeah, what Almeida did was crazy, and he did it in the first round. So mm-hmm. since he got that stoppage in the first round, he's got six points, whereas the other champs are five and three. So yeah, it's uh, I, I like the spin that is putting on it, and something else, like you said, uh, in line with the traditional sense of things as far as sports are concerned. When this season is over. Everyone starts right back again at square one. Whoever wins is the champion. They have the money and the belt that goes along with it, but they have to go through everything with everyone else, which I think was really smart. And that was an area that Bellator got in trouble with their first go around because whoever won, they sat around all year waiting for, uh, waiting for an opponent. So they weren't getting paid. They're like, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm not fighting and fighters like to fight because they don't get paid unless they fight. So I think that was really smart where just like in the NBA or in the NFL, yes, you are the champion for the year. Yes, you get the rings, but you got to start all over again to square one, just like everyone else come next season. Yes, I I, I agree. I like that quite a bit. I like the in the, the inverse as well is if you are the champ, you can't just sit around and, try to, well, I want him or I want him. You mm-hmm. can't kind of, uh, you know, along and until you find the, the perfect little matchups for you so you can retain the belt. I like that. Beginning of the year, you're the defending champ, but rise of now, we don't have a champ. <laughs> so right. you want it again, go get it. Um, I agree. I like it. It's more in line with traditional sports and people that aren't, again, necessarily MMA fans can get behind that. Um, and, and kind of understand, not try to figure out, well, how come all these people are fighting and this one guy is not, and, you know, mm-hmm. why champ here? Why is, you know, interim belts? And then you start getting right. all stuff and it gets crazy. Uh, so, yeah, just clean up the format. That's essentially how I see it is just clean it up and, 
you know, make it a, a set format. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of cleaning up, we'll move right into <laughs> UFC Utica. And you and I were uh, talking back and forth via text last week about uh, Jessica Aguilar uh, and her fight being pulled <laughs> with, uh, who was she fighting? Oh so do I. I just actually saw they rescheduled it too. Enough. Yeah, yeah. They I, I saw that too, but I forget uh I forget offhand who it was. Uh, and I my I wanna say uh Alexa Grasso, but I know that's not right because she just lost to Tatiana Suarez. But anyway, fight will be rescheduled. Um that's not in the fight notice <laughs> from the MMA main card, so I missed out on that. Uh maybe before everything is done. I can um, I can find out who it is that she'll be facing. But one thing that stood out to me, I know you were like, hey, it's a chap lips. I was like, chap lips? Who, who gets uh, pulled for chap lips? Well, I don't know if you saw it or not, but it wasn't just chap lips. And I understand why they pulled the fight. Um, yes, her lips were chapped, but she also had uh, some funky stuff going on on her lips. Now they don't say what it was, but uh, I, you know, you got stuff going on with your lips, or you know, around your lips. Uh, generally, that's uh, a herpesin virus, and I wouldn't want to be the um, the commission who let them fight uh, and and uh, and possibly gave somebody. Um, oh, Jody Escabel. That's that's who it was. Jody Escabel. I knew someone else with Invicta tires, and that that's why I, I was confused. So another uh, Latina fighter with Invicta tires. But yeah, she she said it was chap lips, and and she went to get treatment, and they said, okay, well, yeah, it's fine. But actually, uh, New York said no. What she came back with was not fine, um, and she couldn't fight. She's just making making a big stink out of this because she wants to fight and understandably so, but uh, we are not letting you fight with your lips looking like this. So, so I, 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 when I saw that, I thought, I'd, let me make sure I add that on to Aftermath uh, since we've been discussing it. Yeah, that's good because I, I just kept getting more and more reports of of it and nothing was cleared up whatsoever. I mean, it was... I even saw a couple of headlines that were, is it truly just chap lips? But then there was no other information about it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what's going on. That's just what I'm hearing. And if that's the case, that is insane. Yeah. But it yeah. makes sense. I mean, I agree. You got to err on the, uh, you know, on the side of the, the fighter safety. Exactly. That, that's what they're there for is to ensure that it's an even match and that it's safe. And uh, that wasn't safe. All right, so for performance of the night, bonuses for this card. You had Marlon Magic Marais with his head kick. Oh, my goodness. This sounds like somebody was playing baseball and, and, and had a home run swing. Oh, whew. I should have just thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> Greg did the gift Gillespie uh, with his just uh, total – Dominant performance and, and submission win. Killer B, Ben Saunders with the killer knees. Killer B with the killer knees. Uh, and then Nathaniel, the prospect, Wood with his submission. All of them getting 
performance of the night bonuses. Man, okay, so Marlon Moraes and Jimmy Rivera, 33 seconds. That was it. Talk to me. <laughs> it was actually relatively funny because much like I uh, said something about Rafael Carvalho, <laughs> Uh-huh. The week before, um, <laughs> I also said, you know, when uh, there was a couple Twitter polls going on and uh, asking who who you had in the fight, and I had said Jimmy Rivera just a few seconds before the fight, and then about a minute and a half later, you text me and say, or tweet me back and say I should have chosen Morass, and <laughs> I had to change, and I, I just I needed to elaborate uh-huh. and say that I chose Jimmy Rivera to go to sleep in the first okay. minute. And uh, it just, I guess autocorrect, and it just, you know, just crazy how that worked, hey, right? <laughs> you, you know what? You don't have to say anything else because that doggone predictive text, autocorrect, gets stuff you know, wrong That's how. In my defense, I did choose Jimmy Rivera, but I did do the little I don't know emoji guy afterwards. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. And fair uh, enough. I didn't and have to I, long to find out that I was wrong, so... <laughs> I was leaning Rivera, and this is one of the main reasons why I don't make fight picks because, um, yeah, I suck. So, <laughs> and I and I tend to pick with emotion more than I do with um, with just using the data. So that's why you know on the main card you'll hear me giving methods of victory, but I'm not gonna say who's gonna win or who's not gonna win because yeah, that it's. Until the, as I say, until the pin drops, cage door locks, thumbs go up, and they start the clock. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh-uh. It's it's on paper. It is not in reality. And in reality, things happen that you don't expect to happen. And that's why we love sports. And that's why we love MMA because it is the home of the unexpected. Um. Yeah, the, I don't know if you heard about the drama between Rivera's camp and Marais' camp um, after the fact, but uh, Ali Abdelaziz, who is known to be uh, one to stir the pot, yeah, he got into it with uh, Rivera's wife and coach after uh, the fight in the back. <laughs> oh, nope, I didn't hear about this either. Yeah, they, they even showed... Um, shots of it on the post-fight show. It was like, this is crazy. This is crazy. But, yeah, Ali likes to to, um, to keep the pot stirred, both online and in person. So It's true. Uh, and uh, there had been a lot of bad blood leading up to it, although it died down. But Ali was like, nope, I'm keeping it up. You talked all that mess, and my boy knocked you out. So. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> And I've already heard that uh, I know Rivera wants to get back out uh, relatively quickly. Uh, as hard as he got hit in the head, that relatively quickly, I would hope, means maybe about six months. Because, yeah, that was – I know he yeah. got hit in, uh, I believe, the longest medical suspension on the card. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. I don't remember the time frame, but um, when I was reading through the article, because I was, like, checking that out too. Yeah. And I, I I don't remember either, but I believe that you're correct. And he should. I mean, like I said, just thinking about that. I mean, oh my goodness, that was such a uh such a loud, thunderous shot. Yeah, no nobody needs to uh to come back anytime soon after that. You need to 
Give your brain a break. Yes. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, Gregor Gillespie and Vince from hell to shell. That uh, our triangle submission in round two. Um, and I have to say, I had this one wrong because I thought Gregor would use his wrestling to keep things standing. You know, using it more in a defensive fashion mm-hmm. because Michelle has uh, great wrestling as well. Uh, but yeah, seven for eight takedown attempts. And that seventh was the one that sealed the deal. Yeah, that, that, oh, man, he, um, he definitely helped himself to stand out. What do you think Gillespie's ceiling is in the lightweight division? Man, this is only the second time I believe I've seen him fight. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, absolute ceiling. I think that this guy could definitely be a contender. Um, I mean, his his takedowns are phenomenal, and he is relentless. Yes. And with top pressure, he was just – I think we talked about uh, Andrea Lee a couple uh, weeks back, and I was talking about how, how just relentless she is. Uh, on the ground and on top. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, this was one of those same things, just watching it. I was like, man, I'm getting exhausted and I'm just watching him. You know, I just can't imagine just somebody grinding into you like that nonstop. And every time you move, he just rolls you to a different direction. It, it, it was impressive. I think, um, I think he could go quite a bit, um, especially if he leans on his wrestling. Um, don't try to do some of the, the silly stuff where well, I'm going to show that I can stand and strike. I agree with you. Um, I, I also thought that he was going to use uh, his wrestling as a, a little more defensive. But, um, no, man, his his top pressure is just relentless. And uh, you, you don't have a second to breathe, and his cardio is, is crazy. And he can just go nonstop, you know, bell to bell. <laughs> right, right. And, and I, what really stood out to me, was the stoppage because not only did he get the arm triangle, but he got it from half guard. He wasn't even uh, in, you know, outside of the guard, which you normally have to be. You normally need to have your legs on the outside to finish it, but he finished it from half guard. Mm-hmm. That that was crazy to me. Yeah, he he is quickly becoming the UFC's triple G. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the only thing that um, that gives me reason for pause with him when it comes to fighting the best of the best is his size because he's kind of small for uh, lightweight and some people even compared him to Frankie Edgar from that perspective and how Edgar was able to be successful because he outquicked people uh, and you know with his style and with how he uses his speed especially in the grappling area if you got someone who's bigger and stronger um they may be able to fight off those takedowns a bit better and or escape much easier uh if you are to get them to the ground and then it becomes uh very taxing and tiring for you because you're not the one that's uh that's in control you have to use more strength to accomplish things Mm -hmm. all right well wall harris and daniel spitz tko in the second round, what'd you think? Uh, first round, I think I was started off a little slower. Um, and I 
if I'm not mistaken, the knockout was like right at the end of the round. Yeah, it was round two. four fifty nine in the round. Yeah, um, I I don't know. It was it was a good fight. It was one. Of, it's where it started to pick up. Um, I mean, I know you had Ben Saunders in there that came in and just <laughs> was amazing. But I mean, it was it that kind of kicked off and and kept it rolling with you know where we went from a lot of. Uh, slow decisions to uh mm-hmm. had a couple tko's submission and the and then the head kick uh right around the world uh but oh it was it was a good fight i mean i, I always enjoy watching uh he, you know i believe uh heavyweight yeah heavyweight. Okay. i i enjoy watching uh heavyweight bouts i don't know why you just you don't quite get them as often anymore <laughs> um, yeah. so they're, always, they're always nice when you get them and, and you can see some stuff you know, going on and the the big throws uh big punches start coming yeah that that's the thing with heavyweights because of all of the mass that they have coming with what they're throwing the likelihood of a stoppage is you know much much higher and the likelihood of it being a highlight kind of stoppage is also high which i think was one of the really smart things pfl did with starting off season one because they started off with the division where they had the most names featherweight and the heavyweights where you had the most likelihood to have highlight stoppages like tillers so yeah uh, kudos to them on that well we're not talking about them anymore even though that took place in new york and this took place in new york we're talking <laughs> about ufc utica and we've already touched on it ben killer b Saunders oh, and the tko uh, with the knees to the body of Jake Ellenberg. Oh my goodness, that clinch work was beautiful. Why do you think Jake Ellenberg went back into the clinch with him after the first go round when he was getting pieced up? I have no idea. I wish I could tell you that. That's exactly what I said when he did it. I believe even uh, the the commentator, uh, commentator people said it. Mm-hmm. I forget who it was. Was it Jimmy Smith? Was he yeah, back uh, Jimmy Smith and um, um, I forget the the new guy's name. I always, oh, well, no, no, it wasn't the new no, guy. It was, no, it was, was uh, John Anik because the new guy was in. That's right. Uh, yeah, it was out of John Anik or the new guy. I forget, but yeah, Jimmy Smith. I think, yeah, yeah, and I think even they had mentioned it. Why? But why would you go? And I mean, you nailed it. That clinch was just so nasty. I mean, it was like a vice grip, and once he got in it. He had nowhere to go unless he was eating four or five knees. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, man, when he got hit <laughs> with that liver and he just sunk, <laughs> that was, uh, man, that was a, that was where I finally like perked up a little bit and went, oh, well, hold on a right. second. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. Um, and, you know, just to see how excited he was, too, man. That, that's what I like to see with these guys. I, I like mm-hmm. to see these guys are just, they're happy to be here and they just want to put on a show. Uh, I mean, I, I can tell you already, I'm excited for the next time I see Ben Saunders on a, on a fight card. Yeah. And I, I'm really happy for Ben. I was very surprised that he went to the UFC because when he was in Bellator, he was in position to fight for the belt. Like he, he was the clear number one contender at 185 and he dropped all that to go to the UFC. So I'm glad to see him uh, getting victories. This is the second stoppage in a row. Last time was in his hometown of Orlando. Um, you know, un- unfortunately it was against a fellow 10th planet jujitsu practitioner 
Uh, but yeah, two fights in a row, two stoppages in a row. And like you said, he was elated. I mean, <laughs> even <laughs> after everything was over, you saw him in the, the back walking to the uh walking to the dressing room and he was still, yeah, wow, wow. <laughs> He was, man. He was so excited. And I, I loved it, man. I love his energy. Um, man, I, I just like to see that. And it, it makes me excited. And I'm not even the one doing anything. You know, I'm just watching. <laughs> right. All right. Now, um, the first fight that got a stoppage on that card was Julio Arce versus Daniel Tamer. Uh, rear naked choke in the third round. Like you said, it was the fight wasn't that. Um, that interesting and that exciting, but RSA is doing his thing. He came in off of Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, and he's been one of the more successful alums of that, uh, winning both of his fights. Uh, what what stood out to you about that fight? Uh, I mean, uh, it was a slower fight to start, um, but. I believe, and again, I'm I'm a little fuzzier on it because it's been a while now. That, mm-hmm. but I, I believe RSA really started finding range, and really like it seemed like he. I don't know if it was confidence or or what kind of kicked in, but all of a sudden he became very aggressive and he's really pursuing and and uh, I, it just it worked out for him. And he ended up. I mean, again, great ground game. Uh, I believe he's started kind of in a half guard or side control and then eventually got him into the, uh, the got his back and, and choked him out. It was a, it was a good fight. Um, I know that I've seen quite a few times that they would have liked to see the Tamer brothers switched. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I disagree with that. And I, this was part of the reason that I texted you during this fight that said, I would like to talk about some, uh, some rules in UFC as far oh. as grabbing the cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what what uh go ahead because I know yeah, you you were like we have to talk about fence grabs like all right. So well, that so was we, it. I mean lead the dance. I know a lot of people were talking about the the Tamer fight, the David Tamer and uh mm-hmm. Nick, Nick Lentz, I believe. Yeah, Nick Lentz, yes. Yeah, and um that fight, I mean Nick was getting in, Lentz was getting in quite a bit, and he was he was working hard to get to his takedowns. And I I want to say almost every time he went for the takedown, Tamer would grab a hold of that fence and pull himself back. And the worst he would ever get is like a hey, let go of that let go of the fence, let go of the fence, let go of the he probably got worn three, four times. And there was different times where, you know, while he was going while Lentz was reaching in. I personally uh, because I mean that's a lot of work, and that you know that's a that's a big part of of a lot of MMA's background is uh, wrestling and, and grabbing double legs or single legs and pulling away from the fence, put them on the ground. I find it. I'm trying to think of the word exactly. I don't want to say unfair. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like the punishment fits the crime mm-hmm. when you know the worst thing that you're getting is a hey let go of the gate or the fence or at most sometimes a ref will reach over and slap your hand at it because at that point he's already picked you up and pulled he's already expended the the uh the energy to get you down and and frankly you cheated you grabbed <laughs> you grabbed the hold and you pulled yourself back 
And I believe, again, even Jimmy Smith said something about it at that point um, that said, you know, I will gladly take a, hey, let go of the gate to keep from being on my back. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see something implemented about this. I just don't know what. I mean, is it a, should it be like a, you get a warning and then if it happens again, should we start taking points if it's an egregious thing? I mean, I get like, if you're in a clinch and you're kind of, looping your fingers through or you're kind of holding your fingers in the clinch. I wouldn't call it as big a deal as if a guy is picking you up and, and moving you. So where I just wanted your opinion on it. Cause I know what mine is. I would like to see if, if you're in the middle of a takedown and you're snatching somebody off that fence and their arm is completely stretched out and they're holding on. I feel like it should automatically don't stop anything, but that should be a point deduction um, because that could be, especially if it's early in a round, you could win the round by getting him on the ground. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly that something has to be done. And my initial thought was that just make it a point deduction. If you, um, if if you get caught with it, you know, as a matter of fact, and I, I heard someone say this previously, and I thought that was a great idea. You let them know in the dressing room, this is your first warning, your first and only <laughs> warning. If you grab the fence you will lose a point. Um, but when listening to some of the people after, and I, I want to say Jimmy Smith specifically, he was talking about how it was either him or it was when they went back to the desk in LA. They were talking about how it's you know just reflexive, which I can understand. If you're standing up and someone's, you know, something is happening where you're going to fall, our immediate thought is hold on to something to stay upright. So I don't know if it's more so people just being taking advantage of the rules by doing that, or if it's just a natural, you know, reflex. So I think a happy medium would be if you see that they're grabbing the fence first time, stop the fight, put them on the ground because you cannot grab the fence and you grab all right we are back for some reason within the other recording uh, things just stopped uh josh has a conspiracy theory about that why don't you go ahead and share your your conspiracy theory josh I think that uh, UFC doesn't want us meddling with their uh, rules and, and their uh, events. Mm, yeah. They're trying to shut us down. Trying to shut us down. Well, it's not the UFC's rules. It's the unified rules. Uh, this but, is true. You know, maybe, but it was maybe, it just happened to be UFC we're talking about right now. I just feel like, you know, there might be something there. Dana might be listening up. <laughs> hey, um, I shared in the MMA main card this week that – Uh, One thing that we as lovers of the sport and people who cover the sport should appreciate is that Dana does pay attention to what the media says, regardless of how acrimonious his relationship with MMA media may be. It was Mike Bond's um, report last week that showed all the fights falling out. I was like, hey, I knew a lot of fights falling out, but wait a minute. That's twice as many. No, we're going back. So maybe you you may be on to something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But like I said, like I was saying, I think it, at the first fence grab, they should stop the fight and put the fight on the ground because 
that sense of grab kept them upright, and that's not right. Um, starting it on the ground I think is great because it puts them where they would have probably been had that sense grab not taken place. Now, they do it again. I say take a point and put them down on the ground because that will make it that much more important that, hey, I can't do it. It's pretty much it's a free foul. It's like an eye poke. Um, you, know, mm-hmm. you can poke people in the eyes usually at least twice in a fight and get away with it. Um, you know, so, yeah, I think even with that first one, you know, a warning, that was a mistake, you do it again whether it was a mistake or not. You, you're getting a point deducted, and, and that will make people much more cognizant of it because if you don't know what will be done, you know, you're waiting for that really, really stern warning before you start doing it, having something clear up front takes a lot of that guesswork out for the fighters, uh, and it keeps things on the even field as well. Yeah, that's that's really what I was trying to figure out myself because uh, it's something that um, – I think you kind of nailed it. It becomes a, a free foul. And um, unlike, you know, eye poke where, you know, the guy can go off and he's got a couple minutes to try to recover or even, a you know, a, a low low kick or whatever, mm-hmm. you can kind of let them recover. And, uh, I mean, this has direct implications. Um, and, again, I understand. I, I actually agree with you. I know some of it, most of it probably is reactionary. Uh, but there's just sometimes where it's just, I mean, it's bad. Uh, yeah. In this fight in particular, there was a time where he was up in the air, like a full two feet, and he reached back and grabbed the fence and pulled himself back in to the fence. Right. And, uh, yeah, and therefore, you know, like the, that, that's the, not, um, that's yeah, not that, and I, that, that was just crazy to me. And all he got was a, let go of that fence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that'll teach him. <laughs> yeah, Right. I've seen people grab the, the top of the cage uh, to keep the yep. takedown from happening. And that, it's just, yeah, you know, if it's something egregious like that, yes, take the point, start them down. Uh, if it's more of a reactionary thing, like I said, but t- take them, put them down, and start it from there and let them know next time they grab it, regardless, it's a point coming off. I, I, that, I think, would help tremendously with that. Um Something that did not help the card because the the fight pass prelims were great. The uh, Fox Sports One prelims were horrible, and then uh, the the main card started off with uh, slug. I mean, not slug, but just a, a, a drudgery of a fight between Sam Alvey. Well, I can't say that it wasn't that bad because um, uh, Alvey. Dropped Volante in the first round, or it was the opposite way. I think Volante dropped Alvy in the first round. Then Alvy came back in the second round and dropped uh, Volante. Uh, you know, so yeah. Well, no, no, Gian was dropped in the first round. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, uh, I got that mixed up. But anyway, it was back and forth. They were hurting each other. They were doing some different things. Um, but it was a decision and a split decision. Um, did you have any issues with who got the victory? I did not. I'm actually looking at my card right now, and I had Albie all three rounds. Yeah. Um, I want to. Say I believe there was two. one that I was very close on, but I think I gave it to him. 
I'm try, again, I'm trying to kind of remember. Uh, I think there was one that was close, and I didn't know, and I think in the last, like, 30 seconds, I think Alvey's threw a couple shots, and I think landed one or two of them, and so I just stuck that as a, you know, the aggressor in the last, you know, few seconds there of the round. Yeah. Um, to me, that sounds like the first round because it was very back and forth. You really didn't know who had what, uh, and then Alvy caught him in the final seconds and dropped him. Um, and then I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think Gian was the clear victor in round two, and then I feel like Alvy was a clear victor in, in round three. Um, you know, either way it goes, it, it was cool. I, I mean, it, it was it was a fight. It was a fight. It, not much stands out, obviously, because we can't remember who dropped who when, what, <laughs> who won what round, and, and all that stuff. So uh, we'll move on. Uh, last fight that I wanted to talk about was on the fight pass prelims now. I said this in the main card, so I'm saying this again because uh, it bears repeating. This week, if you don't have fight pass and you have not taken advantage of your seven-day free trial, this is the week to do it because you got not, you have a phenomenal, phenomenal lineup on fight pass this week. I mean, you got Joe Benavidez fighting Sergio Pettis. In Chicago, which is pretty much Pettis' backyard, and it's on fight pass. You got Clay Guida fighting Charles Dupont's Oliveira on fight pass. Crazy. Okay, anyway, but with all that being said, looks like yet another good week for fights on fight pass. Oh, and Danny White's Susan, I can send the series starts this week, and Greg Hardy fights. So that all that to say. Yeah, if you got the seven day free trial, give it a try. If you got ten dollars you can spare, uh, then do that too because it's worth it, especially with the contender series going on every week. Anyway, I digress. This fight was on Fight Pass. Jose Shorty Torres making his UFC debut, and he was getting handled by Jared Brooks. I mean, he was getting beat from pillar to post all of round one. And all of round two, and Jared Brooks lost the fight, <laughs> and I mean lost it. He didn't. He didn't lose. He lost the fight. He gave up the victory of the fight, uh, thinking he's in uh, WWE somewhere. Like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna do a, a, a fill your back suplex and knocked himself out. <laughs> Just uh, uh, doing too much. Now, I saw some things that said part of the reason why it happened actually was due to Torres' position because he had his hands around his waist. And when they got up in the air, uh, you did see um, you did see Torres kind of, or I should say, yeah, Torres and uh, Brooks kind of turn a little bit. So, I mean, could he have done that and had the presence of mind to know that if I turn him this little bit in the air, he's going to fall on his head? I don't know. Uh, all I know is that he did, and uh, rightfully so. Torres jumped on him, kept punching him in the head, and got the stoppage. Yeah, that was just a case of, of Brooks uh, uh, 
doing too much, showboating, whatever you wanted. Um, he could have just gone down because uh, when he picked him up initially, I don't believe Torres had wrapped around his body. It's actually when he folded over his shoulders, he wrapped around the waist, and then Brooks decided, oh, okay, I'll just do this jump slam. Right, <laughs> you I'm know, the WWE the style. Of the, the cage <laughs> and, and, uh, and jump slam him. And it was, I mean, and then just, you know, we know what happened there. He just kind of unfolded and. Torres took a complete advantage, rolled right over, realized that um, he was at least rocked. Um, I don't think he would have known that he was out, but he knew that he was uh, He definitely rocked, and that was his opportunity, and, and he pounced. And Yeah, that was uh, interesting. <laughs> I know we've yeah. talked about it a few times already. <laughs> yeah, we did, and I, I forget. Uh, I, I don't know. We we call it the Brooks bonehead move, and then whenever anyone <laughs> else does something dumb, we're gonna uh, name it after them. Or just uh, the 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 Utica. You pull your uh, UFC Utica. I think that would be kinder to Mr. Brooks <laughs> to name it after him. But I don't know. I, you know, when you do that, and you know, and then on social media, he was like, yeah, if I had knocked myself out, I would have won, duh. <laughs> well, yeah, you were well, winning. That. <laughs> but uh, you did knock yourself out, so. Right. He didn't win. I knocked myself out, if that helps you sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whatever whatever helps you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Do you want us to give you All no right, contest? Well, <laughs> right. Right. You, you still lost. You still didn't get the full amount of pay. Um and you look quite foolish, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did it, though. All right, well, go ahead. You did it. Walk in pride. And then pride comes before uh, <laughs> uh, before the destruction and a hearty heart before the fall. Pun absolutely, positively, <laughs> fully intended on that one. Amen. All right. That's a uh, great place to stop. Uh, next week, we will be discussing uh, the first fight, or I should say the first fight card of Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, and also UFC 225. Uh, if you want to get some live coverage of those things, man, the voice will be at Ballpark Village, which is my uh, destination of choice to watch UFC pay-per-views, and I will be providing some live coverage. In the past, I've gone live on Facebook for the last two fights. I'm not going to do that because, um, yeah, it gets, gets a little dicey. <laughs> and people, no, no matter how much I tell people, this is not a live stream. I will not be showing the whole fight. still get some um, some fairly aggressive people who want me to show the fight and then uh, are not very happy and uh, very crudely show the displeasure regarding that. So I might save myself a little uh, <laughs> a little abuse by just recapping the fights uh, after they complete uh, via Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, you name it. But I think that's how I'm going to play it this week. Uh, any Anything for the good people, uh, important words, uh, bearded wonder? Uh, no. Um, I know that uh, I believe LFA has another event coming up. Um, yeah. I know it's one that's uh, 
uh, if not a Bellator or, or UFC or, or even uh, PFL going on right now, but it, uh, they usually have some very good fights, and chances are you watch LFA, and in the future you're probably going to see them in UFC. Um, you know, they kind of it's like the minor leagues for UFC, so to speak. Um, so if you get a chance, it's on that the Axis AXS TV. Yeah, um, always a always a good little thing to get on and, and check out. Um, you nailed it with UFC 225. I'm super excited about that. Uh, so yeah, man, I was gonna do the same. I'll probably uh, be recapping. I'm gonna try to get down to a local place and watch it, and uh, I'm gonna do my best to be on Twitter and. Uh, so if you want to know the outcomes of fights, feel free to check it out. If you don't, avoid it for a couple hours. <laughs> right. And actually, with that being said, um, you – well, I will talk a bit offline, but if you're going to do that, we may have the ability to do a little bit of collabo um, as far as that's concerned. But we'll talk about that, and uh, we'll let – the good people know as time goes on. Uh, but either way it goes, I strongly encourage everyone to follow Trackstar Sports. Uh, like the Trackstar Sports Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's how you will be able to stay up to date with everything Trackstar Sports does. And specifically, when it comes to these pay-per-views, that's where you can get the live coverage that you need. You know, not, not everyone can make it to, you know, the pay-per-view. My main man, Josh, he has one spot in his town where he can go, and if something happens, you know, somebody gets married, it's a birthday party, it's like, oh, I can't get there. I can't, you know, go see it. But I really want to know what's going on. You want that live coverage? We'll bring you that live coverage. Mm -hmm. All right, until next time, this has been Aftermath, the week that was in MMA and we're sounding off.